0: It's time for episode 164 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November the 23rd, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where my clock is at least 10 hours ahead of everybody else's. I'm Dan Moran, and across the world from me is my co host. Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. It's been a while.
0: Hi, Dan. Uh, it's nice to talk to you. You're in India, for those people who don't know. And in fact, I think we discovered today on a map that to reach the, the east coast of the United States, you should fly west. But to reach the west coast, you should fly east. So, hi. It's it's very
1: confusing, but I, I, I'm sure it will work out. Um, the good news is we're still going to do a technology podcast where we talk about four technology topics with two Excellent guests. To my left this week, the CEO and uh, Chief Lackey of Rogue Amoeba, it's Paul Kafases.
2: Hi, Paul. Hey, Dan. Good to hear from you. Uh, I hope you're doing well in India. I'm doing okay. Thanks uh, Thanks for being here.
0: And to my left, longtime listener, first-time participant. She was in the audience for our live show at the UL Conference, in fact. Uh, but she joins us now as a participant from Cards Against Humanity and many podcasts, including Dubai Friday and Roboism. Robots are involved. It's Alex Cox. Hello.
3: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's
0: great to have you. Great to have you here.
1: Uh, Well, as I am this week's designated co-host, I'll kick things off. Uh, As Jason alluded, I'm in India. It's a long plane trip away. In fact, it's several long plane trips away, which convinced me to finally invest in a pair of noise-canceling headphones, the Bose QuietComfort 35s, and I love them. I love them deeply. Um, I've really been enjoying them. So my question for you guys are, uh,
2: what is your go-to piece of of travel gear, Paul? Well, mine you you pitched this question and mine is actually really boring. It's a uh, a case, a bag. Uh, now that's kind of dumb. It's a $10 case from Amazon, but w- what's more important is that it contains backups or duplicates rather of everything that I need. So I have two lightning cables in there. I have uh you know, like a six foot lightning cable and a six inch lightning cable. I've got a spare power adapter for my laptop. I've got a spare USB-C adapter because I have one of the MacBooks that only has one port and doesn't take normal USB adapters, uh, normal USB plugs. Uh, I've got an iPhone juice pack. So basically it's a, it's a, Bag that contains everything that I need and it almost never gets used except when I'm traveling, uh, so it's kind of a waste of money. But it's very convenient and I never have to think about oh, did I remember to pack my charging cable and all that? Uh, I just grab this, throw it in my bag, throw my laptop in there, and I'm good to go.
0: Well, you know, redundancy is a feature that's good. I, I think that's I think that's a, a good idea. For um, some, for me, I I don't do the noise canceling headphone thing mostly because I use in ear. Uh, in ear headphones and they're, and they're, they're the custom in ear things so that they're the shape of my ears. So they cancel the noise by completely blocking my ear canal so no noise can get in, <laughs> which works great. Let me tell you, it doesn't require any batteries. I, so I'm going to go with a, a sort of low tech item too, which is wire cutter did a story. I'll put a link in the show notes about uh, best travel gear. And they're one of their picks for neck pillow. So I never had a neck pillow, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. And we went to Ireland a few weeks ago. And the last two international flights I've taken, I have tried to sleep and discovered that all I do is really hurt my neck and every time i get close to sleeping my head just bobs forward and wakes myself up it's terrible it's just like i can't do it and i thought damn it i'm going to get one of these neck pillows and i got the travel rest memory foam pillow which folds up into a pretty small bag and then expands so it's not one of these inflatable ones where once it springs a leak it's useless and you have to throw it away because it's it's this memory foam thing and you kind of you kind of put it around your whole head like you've got a neck brace on and you know what it totally worked and i slept overnight on the flight to Ireland. So I'm a believer now in the neck pillow. So I got to endorse that. That is my number one piece of travel gear now if I'm traveling overnight.
3: Similar to you, Jason, um, I, while I don't have a neck pillow, I actually have an ostrich pillow, which is a piece of fabric basically that you put over your head completely and you take out the table tray on the plane and you sit your head down and you stick your hands on the sides and you kind of make a cocoon for yourself and it looks absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, I also have the Bose on-ear headphones. They're not, uh, I I don't like silencing headphones, but these are nice because they're like little pillows on your ears. And along with that, I just have the wire cutters, assortment of uh, battery packs, and now a lot of USB-C dongles.
1: I look forward to traveling in a full sensory deprivation tank someday. (laughs) Uh, Thank you all for your uh, input on that topic. Our
2: second topic today comes from Paul. Uh Yes, so my topic is a pretty simple one. What the hell is Apple doing with the Mac? I've been thinking about this for, what, a couple weeks now since they had their MacBook Pro event, and <clears throat> the laptop half of their lineup is a bit muddled, but it's at least somewhat sensible. They've got, you know, an expensive MacBook Pro, they've got uh, sort of a mid-range MacBook, and the Air is still there as their low-end laptop. I think there's some improvements that could be made there, but uh, I think it's at least uh, a reasonable lineup. But the desktops are, I I don't think we can swear on this show, so let's just say they're a real cluster whoops. (laughs) The iMac hasn't been updated in a year, the Mini hasn't been updated in two years, and the Pro hasn't been updated in three years. And I'm, I'm certainly a little worried about this, and I think it's pretty obvious that uh, if you look around at Mac news sites and things like that, there's a growing discontent about this. Um, people are sort of assuming the worst about this and i guess i'm wondering like i said what the hell is apple doing with the mac i'm a little more optimistic
0: in that i think my my, my pet theory for now and this could be invalidated when nothing happens next year too but my pet theory is that apple decided to wait a generation of the intel processors that they were waiting for just skip one and then intel had all these delays and now they and they ended up like basically way behind and if they had known the time frame uh then they would have not waited for intel i do think though paul you know you bring up a good point it's a larger question here which is what's apple's philosophy for the mac the the touch bar shows that they really have invested in doing some new stuff on the mac but who who is their mac user of the future and is it the sort of like high-end edge case pro user or is apple saying you know what we're not gonna make Products to please them. We want to to reach a kind of a broader computer user audience, which calls into question the whole idea of in the future where everybody's got smartphones and maybe tablets. If if computers are trucks. and that's what Steve Jobs said you know many years ago now if computers are trucks is apple making trucks or is apple making the mac into a car and saying it isn't a truck after all and that's the part that i don't really get i'm not quite sure whether you know making a mainstream computer for everybody makes sense if computers aren't going to be mainstream for everybody anymore and that's that's the mystery that i don't know what the hell they're doing either
3: i think i'm kind of really probably far too optimistic um like my very first mac when i was like 10 years old was the snow white imac and i i've i remember just so much of that outrage and as as you know a youth I I didn't have any floppy disks, and I I did not care about the change. And just seeing all of my friends completely happy with their MacBooks, and um, I'm an edge case, and I love, love, love my new MacBook Pro, Um, I, I feel like... We just don't hear a lot from the people who are really happy with Apple's lineup right now. Um, Like, people are delighted when you go into the Apple store and they get their cute little rose gold gold MacBook. And I I kind of thought the same thing about the iPad. I'm like, the iPad's dead. It's going to go away. And then the iPad Pro happened. Um, And you can argue that that is kind of stagnant right now. But I don't know. I have faith.
1: So if I hear Alex correctly, what she's saying is Apple should make a Mac Pro. Wait, no, they've already done that or not. <laughs> um the 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 Mac lineup what a what a tricky beast at this point I mean obviously the Mac's been around for so long that it's really become a mature product And in a lot of ways feels like uh, the things they can add to it have gotten slimmer and slimmer. Obviously not entirely true because we've seen the touch bar, which indicates that they are still thinking about what to do with it. Um, but in a world that seems so heavily dominated by things like smartphones these days, it's it's hard to exactly figure out, as Jason was saying, what, what is the role of the Mac in the future going forward? Uh, and for me, like Alex, I, I, I love my Mac. I uh, get all my work done on it. I mean, I I traveled all the way across the world, and I'm I'm using it right now because there was no way I was going to be able to do a podcast with an iPad. Um, so I I think that Apple, I think Apple is struggling a little bit with some of this just identity crisis when it comes to this, and it, and it's uh, the confluence events has lined it up kind of unfortunately in that we are we've hit that sort of drought where there were not a lot of updates, um, because they have several lines that they're sort of I. I, I would imagine trying to rethink or re-engineer a bit at the same time. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't think that the Mac is dead. I don't think Apple is giving up on it. And I am hopeful that next year we're going to see sort of a glut of, uh, of improvements across the board uh, in all of its different product areas. But it, it is certainly a bit of a stretch. I know uh, I was reading recently uh, a couple pieces talking about the MacBook Pro and and about Steve Jobs' famous 2x2 product grid when he came back to Apple. Uh, and obviously, sometimes it feels like we've strayed from that a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think the Mac is still healthy. It's still doing well. And I'm excited to see uh, where Apple takes it in the future.
2: Yeah, I, I think I I, th- I definitely echo what Jason said, which is that I hope in the next, uh, you know, hopefully the next six months, if not the next six to nine months, we see some pretty substantial updates, uh, sp- particularly on the desktop. I think... If that's the case, then yeah, they've screwed things up for a couple of years now and uh, and their culture of secrecy has not helped them at all here because right now, like I said, Definitely there are a lot of people that are concerned whether or not they actually should be uh, is, is a different question. But uh, the all the indications we've gotten have not been stellar. So I hope that we see some changes in the very near future and and then that this sort of becomes a moot point And we don't have to worry about it quite so much. But I guess mostly we'll see what happens in the next few months. All
0: right. That's two topics down. But don't worry. We have two more topics left to go. It's halftime. Let me tell you about our halftime sponsor. This episode of Clockwise brought to you by Linode. Linode, a a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers. They have eight data centers around the world. It's a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in under a minute. They've got an easy-to-use web-based tool to do it. And plans start at just $10 a month, which will get you two gigabytes of RAM on your own server. You can choose your resources, Linux distro, and node location all from their web tool. And you can deploy, boot, and resize your server with just a few Clicks. Uh, Linode's got over four hundred thousand customers, and they're all taken care of by a friendly twenty four seven support team. Now, yes, these people are are there over the holidays. We're entering the holiday season now. Uh, you know, you might be wondering, can I get help in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve? And the answer is yes. Yes, you actually can because they have 24 seven support. If you need anything, they're there for you. Linode also really committed to improving their infrastructure. They recently made a, a system change that improved their systems by 300%, which is pretty amazing. All I had to do was reboot my server. And that was it. And it was a much more powerful and faster server. It's the full package for your server infrastructure needs with the power you require and the infrastructure and assistance that you want. So here's what you need to do. You can go to Linode.com slash clockwise. That's L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash clockwise. And you will not just be showing your support for clockwise. You'll get $20 off any Linode plan. So basically, it's a $20 credit. And you get a seven day money back guarantee. So you can try it out without paying anything at all. Go to Linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or use the promo code clockwise 20 at checkout. Thank you to Linode for supporting clockwise. Okay, now it's time for topic number 3 which comes from me. Now, uh that Apple apparently doesn't make wireless routers anymore, that was the story this week. That Apple has disbanded its Airport team. Um I'm just curious, uh does that matter to you given the current state of affairs in the Wi-Fi world? Is it a big deal that Apple among all of its offerings is not making their own Wi-Fi routers? Alex, what do you think?
3: Initially, this made me really upset because I, I feel like I'm one of – and maybe you guys too. Uh, I, I don't have my own I, – I have my own router. I don't like rent or whatever for Comcast. Uh, so I'm like, oh, God, do I have to get like another uh, companion to the surfboard or whatever Motorola makes? Um, But then I'm thinking uh, – they must be coming up with something else. And if it's not apparent then I'm such a frickin' Apple fangirl, like I have this conspiracy theory that there's going to be this amazing uh, Siri integrated Wi-Fi thing. And I just hold I, I have all of these hopes and aspirations for Siri in the home. Um, and especially because I, I expected Apple to buy uh, what was it, Viv or Vive? um which the original creators of Siri made their their new AI assistant and I feel like in the next year or two we're going to see something that just like blows us out of the water as Siri originally did or at least I hope so.
1: I you know all right so is this a big deal for Apple? Probably not. Routers have become largely commoditized and I think as we saw Apple exit the display market it kind of makes sense. For them not to necessarily be in the router market anymore, I can't imagine that their unit sales on routers were particularly high. For us, I think, <coughs> excuse me, for us, I think it might be a bigger deal, um, or at least for those of us who are who are airport users. I've had an Airport Extreme in my apartment basically since I've moved in, and it's been one of the most solid pieces of networking equipment that I've ever used. And I've I've been through a lot of routers in my day. Um, and I found it to be incredibly bulletproof. I found it to do pretty much everything I need to do. And it requires very little intervention on my part. And so I kind of dread the day when it eventually breaks down and I have to replace it with something else. But the the router market has moved on a bit. We're seeing a lot of pushes into like the mesh uh, networking space. And while it's possible Apple could be inven- uh, investigate something like that, I think the more likely truth is that they've just stepped away from this market and decided it's it's not quite worth their time.
2: I think it's. I think the whole thing is pretty strange. Uh, we're seeing Apple seemingly kill off multiple product lines, even as they're the biggest and most powerful they've ever been, which doesn't seem like a sort of logical next step. Uh, in terms of the routers themselves, Apple has been about the digital hub for a long time, and they still are with the Apple TV and you know your iOS devices, your Macs. Everything that they have needs to connect to. Uh, the internet, obviously, but uh, to y- your home network. And it's tricky to have the digital hub without, you know, a hub. So I I am interested in, in the same sort of ideas that Alex had that maybe they're thinking, okay, let's turn the Apple TV into an actual router and everything connects to the Apple TV instead of to an Airport Express that looks exactly like an Apple TV except white. Uh, but it seems very strange to have killed this off or at least, uh, disbanded the team that made these products and not have anything out just yet. So, uh, I don't know. I I mean, I guess the question is, does it matter? Um, you know, I switched to Eero routers about six months ago and my network works and, uh, I don't miss the airport extreme that I had before. So, uh, to me, it doesn't matter that much, but it definitely seems like it should matter to their strategy as far as, just having everything connect and having all sorts of extra features that uh, aren't necessarily possible if you're using somebody else's router. They have things like, uh, you know, Bonjour and and uh, waking computers and, and devices over the LAN and all sorts of little touches that, you know, maybe don't even realize are only possible because of their wireless hardware. So uh, I think it definitely could matter as far as what they're doing in the future, but I'm sort of taking a wait and see approach on this and, Trying to figure out exactly what they're doing, really. Well, it goes back to something Paul
0: you said earlier, which is the culture of secrecy doesn't help them here. Because right. they're, they're, I think there's been a strategy shift, and if you think about it, a lot of the stuff that Apple made, the monitors, the uh, you know the Wi-Fi routers, when those initially happened, it was because somebody needed to do it right, and Apple wasn't satisfied with what was out there. It wasn't just a strategy of well, some some of our customers will buy anything we put a, we put an Apple label on, so let's get you know let's upsell them in our stores that it was really like, there are no Wi-Fi routers that are any good. We're going to make this and today that's not true and in fact what you mentioned Eero, and there there are other products out there that are similar that are creating mesh network uh mesh networks they're much better at you know easily covering an entire house by having multiple items that talk to each other uh google is working on something there too it may be that apple looked at this and said uh we need to either completely rethink this and build the next generation product or we need to say you know what everybody else has got this. We, we don't need to solve this problem because there are good products out there that we are happy to sell in our stores. And I suspect that's what happened here uh, because there are other ones out there and they think maybe we can do other stuff. Now, maybe that other stuff is some of the stuff that Alex talked about. Maybe that is the, the Siri speaker that I've been uh, hoping that they would do. That's sort of like the Amazon Echo. Maybe it is an extension to the Apple TV to do some more interesting stuff there because if you've got that plugged in, then you don't need anything else. Um, also, So many people do, I think, have uh, cable modems that have Wi-Fi built into them now that uh, a lot of people don't even need to buy anything. So I don't know. I still have an old AirPort Extreme, the one that wasn't uh, six feet tall, and it worked (laughs) great and was far more stable than any third-party Wi-Fi router I'd bought before. My current – I do have one of those mesh network – setups right now. And it it is also just as stable. And so that's the first one of those where I thought, oh, okay, you know, it doesn't have to be an Apple router. So I don't know. I I, I wonder what the bigger picture is about their strategy, but I'm kind of okay with it only because I think that there are better options out there and Apple doesn't need to save the Wi-Fi router business. I think it, you know, I think it seems to be bubbling along just fine without Apple uh, leading it at this point. All right, Alex, it's your turn. What do you have for us?
3: So I'm wondering if Johnny Ive is really retiring in the next few years, and and that seems... Like It's going to happen, especially with the uh, Design by Apple in California $300 book, which I may or may not have purchased, pleading the fifth on that one. Um, is there sort of an heir apparent, just like Tim Cook was uh, – it was very clear that he was going to take over Apple after Steve stepped down. Um, or is there no longer going to be a public face of Apple design? Uh, are, are those – are we not going to have any voiceovers in the design videos? And, and does it matter? I I really don't know. It's just for as long as I've been an Apple user, Johnny Ive has kind of been front and center. So I'm just curious about what you think.
1: So who's going to be locked in the in all in the white room. room, forced to give, forced to give voiceovers? Um. Well, I mean, I'm not 100% sure that, that Johnny Ive is going anywhere imminently, but if he does, there are, I mean, he's already basically got his two successors, who are Alan Dye and uh, Richard Howarth, who are the uh, UI design and industrial design head vice presidents, respectively. So, uh, a question of whether or not they're as prominent as Jonathan Ive, I mean... Johnny Ive wasn't that prominent when when Steve Jobs came back to Apple. I mean, he sort of grew in prominence as it went along. And though he was clearly an integral part of all those products, he wasn't necessarily a public-facing figure for a long time. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I think that Apple is, you know, as a company, is the same way we talked about when Steve left and and talked about how the company was sort of his legacy and and designed to carry on the work that he uh, was, you know, envisioning or the philosophies that he was envisioning. I think that we'll probably see... You know, people who are very much cut from the Ive sort of school, but hopefully will be uh, free enough to do their own things too. So um, I, I'm not too worried about it. And in fact, you know, I've had I've had a good run uh, and I think he's done some great product design, but I think he's also seems like maybe he's a little less engaged in it these days. So there's a there's a big question as to whether or not that's a a, a long lasting thing or maybe just sort of a blip on the radar.
2: Well, so. Alex, you had a great point when we were talking about the Mac, which is that most people uh, who go into the Apple store are pretty satisfied with the Mac. And, you know, uh, it's people who are a little more involved in it, uh, you know, developers and and writers who write about the Mac who who are more concerned right now. And so I think uh, sort of the flip side of that here, it's sort of the opposite here, that I'm not really sure that Johnny Ive is actually that public. Uh, we're nerds. We know him. Uh and you know he's very public in terms of if you're into the apple scene but my mom my friends outside of tech uh, they have all sorts of apple products iPhones and Macs and they've never even heard of him so i don't know i i, I don't know that i think he's going anywhere anytime soon either uh, i don't think it really matters is really sort of what i think uh that you know it will have some impact on the products that come out, but as Dan pointed out there 's already successors in place for uh, for both UI and industrial design and In terms of the public face, I think Tim Cook is really the public face of Apple that everyone knows. And Johnny Ive is a distant, distant, not even maybe second, maybe third or fourth, uh, because it's not something that the average person sees. He's not in any of the commercials. He's not in uh, he's not even at the events. He's just the voiceover, as, as Dan referenced. So to me, I think it's definitely not anything that's uh, very much of a big deal.
0: Yeah, so I uh, I talked about this with uh, John Gruber on the talk show uh, this past week, and then uh, a bunch of stories came out saying Gruber reports that Johnny Ive is is handing things off and isn't interested in it anymore and. What what John said is that um, he actually got a few well-placed little birdies, as he put it, to come out and emphasize that Johnny Ives is as connected to product design as ever. I wonder sometimes if what we're really seeing here, and they didn't quite say this when they promoted him, that Johnny Ives' job now is kind of like Steve Jobs' old job, which is just kind of being the product guy because tim cook you know from all reports is not really the product guy he's an operations guy and johnny provides the taste you know he's the tastemaker but uh, you know th- that his the people who work for him richard howarth and alan dye uh they are the ones who are doing his his old job and he's doing a new job and it's kind of different and strange and maybe not easy to understand from the outside and i kind of i could see that i could see that argument that maybe that's what we're seeing because apple's very secret and so we only get to see sort of like the little uh we read the tea leaves, um uh, but maybe that's how the how we should read this is just you know Johnny Ives not doing his old job, he's doing a very different kind of job uh, at a very high level where he has to uh you know work with a lot of other people and be hands off in a way that maybe he wasn't before
3: I'm just really going to miss. Those voiceovers and the <laughs> aluminiums. Um, and and I, w- I wonder, too, um, I'm not sure how long if Richard and Alan have been with him for, like, the past uh, 20 years or whatever. But um, there is somebody on that design team who loves the color orange. Um, like, if you remember the iPod Shuffle, that case was orange. And until the most recent generation of iP- uh, iPod Nanos, they have always had an orange uh, c- color. And in, like, the design world, orange isn't... Orange kind of sucks, um, but we've got the orange uh, mute switch on the iPhone. So someone, I wonder if if he eventually does one day leave the company, if that mute switch is going to suddenly turn blue. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or, or, or everything will be orange. That's the alternative.
3: Yeah,
0: at last, Johnny is gone. Out with
3: a monochrome. In with the orange. <laughs> All right, that's
0: four great topics. We are down to the end of the show. But before we go, uh, we have a bonus topic after this message from... Our sponsor, Mack Weldon. Mac Weldon makes uh, some awesome clothing type stuff. I'm wearing some of it right now, but a gentleman never tells where I am wearing it. <laughs> uh, the uh, the it, It's really easy to go to Mac Weldon's website and buy stuff. Uh, they make uh, underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants. Mike Hurley will talk your ear off about how great their sweatpants are. Um, he wears them. I basically everywhere at this point. He just lives in those sweatpants. They've got silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. Also, we found out uh, good against werewolves. So check that out. If you've got a werewolf infestation, the silver underwear may be for you. They want you to be comfortable. So if you try a pair of Mack Weldon stuff and you don't like it, you can keep it. They'll refund your money, give it to a friend, donate it, whatever, no questions asked. So you're 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 not taking a risk in trying out the wet Mac Weldon stuff. And it really is very comfortable. I, I got a sample because they became a sponsor. And then uh, I got to say, it totally worked. They should do this for more podcasts because then I bought a bunch of stuff from them because it was really good. So uh, they also perform well. They're good for working out, uh, going to work, going out on dates, anything in your life, uh, very comfortable stuff. I can't recommend them highly enough. You can get 20% off an order, pretty good deal, at MacWeldon.com if you use the code clockwise. Thank you, MacWeldon, for your support of this show, the battle, endless battle against werewolves. And... All of FM.
1: Uh, So our bonus topic for this week, uh, as we've mentioned a couple times throughout the show, I'm on a very long trip, a slow boat to India now. And I've been here for a couple weeks and I have a few weeks left of my trip. So let me ask you, what is the longest trip that
2: you've ever taken, Paul? Well, Daniel, the longest trip I've ever taken is this strange journey we call life. (laughs) All right, cut his mic. And look at that. It just got even longer. Jason... Save us. (laughs) We went on a Baltic cruise
0: and spent some extra time, I think in Denmark on one end of it, uh, with, uh, with my whole family and, uh, bunch of different countries all around the Baltic. Uh, It was beautiful and it was midsummer. So the sun was up almost the whole time. And uh, that's the furthest north I've been and the furthest east I've been. So that was I think that one counts.
3: I, a couple of years ago, took a very long work slash vacation trip to Australia. And the flight from Chicago to Australia is about 20 hours long. So so it's a bit much. Um, But the strangest part about being in Australia is that you are closer to China than you would think so um all of the video game toy paraphernalia that's normally like 50 dollars here is like 15 there so i came back with like a suitcase full of toys which was uh fun fun to go through customs and explain that
1: Uh, and my long, this, this is just narrowly edging out my longest trips previously, which were like one month long, uh, cross country road trips in the U S. Uh, anyways, thank you all for your answer to the bonus questions. Uh, that's all that we have time for today. It remains only to thank this week's guests. Paul Cafasis of Rogue Amoeba and uh, other wonderful places like One Foot Tsunami. Uh, Thank you so much
0: for being here. Thank you, Dan. Alex Cox, I hope uh, your first time on Clockwise was a success. Do you feel okay?
3: I feel great. And if people want to visit johnnyivelovesorange.tumblr.com, I've I've just created that, so (laughs) you can find me there.
0: (laughs) All right, Dan, we made it. We're at the end now. Yay, another week in the can. Yeah, that's right. But we'll be back next week, and to everybody in the United States, Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had or have or are currently having a good one. Um, And until next week, all that's left to do is for us to remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.